catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson Part 2 The Sea Cook Chapter 7 I Go to Bristol It was longer than the squire imagined. Here, we were ready for the sea, and none of our first plans, not even Dr. Lindsay's, of keeping me beside him, could be carried out as we intended. The doctor had to go to London for a physician to take charge of his practice. Squire was hard at work at Bristol. I lived on the hall, at the hall, under charge of old Red Roof, a gamekeeper, almost a prisoner, but full of sea dreams. The most charming of interpretations of strange lands and adventures. I brooded by the hour together over the map, all the details of which I well remembered sitting by the fire in the housekeeper's room. I approached the island in my fancy from every possible direction, explored every acre of its surface, I climbed a thousand times to the, that tall hill they call a spy class, and from the top enjoyed. That's wonderful and changing its prospects. Sometimes the isle was thick with savages, with whom we fought, sometimes full of dangerous animals that hunted us. But all my fancies, nothing occurred to me so strange and tragic as our actual ventures. So the weeks passed, and till one day there came a letter addressed to Dr. Lindsay, whose edition to be opened in the case of his absence by Tom Redruth or young Hawkins. Bang his older, we found, or rather I found, the keeper for the gold gamekeeper was a poor hand at reading anything but print the following important news. Old Acre Inn, Bristol, March 1st, 17. Dear Lindsay, as I do not know whether you are at the hall or still London, I send this double to both places. The ship is brought and finished. She lies at anchor, ready to for sea. You never imagine a sweeter schooner, child might sell her 2,000 tons, named Hispaniola. I got through her through my old friend, Brent Penderley, who has proved himself throughout a surprising trump. The fellow, the marble fellow, literally slaved in my interest. So I may say, did anyone in Bristol, so soon as they got wind of the port we sail for treasure, I mean. Oh, Ruth, said I, interrupting the letter. So Lindsay will not like that. Squire has not been, has been talking all after all. Well, who's a better? He writes, growled the gamekeeper. A better, pretty run. Go with the squire. Ain't no talk for Doctor Lindsay, I should think. That I gave up all attempts of commentary and read straight on. Apparently, himself found the hibbstonia, hibbstonia, spaniolia, by the most admirable arrangement. Got her in the merest trifle. With the class of men in Bristol monthly prejudices against Brandley, I go the length of declaring that the dishonest creature will go do anything for money that have sponed spon- in there. Belonged to him, and that he sold it at so high, most transparent cumulonies 
None of them there have to to deny the merits of the ship. So far, there was not a hitch. There were workmen, to be sure, riggers and what not, but most annoyingly slow. But time cured that. It was a crew that told me. I wished to round score men in the case of natives, buccaneers and odious French. Had a worry to reduce itself to fine such not so much as half a dozen, till the most remarkable stroke of fortune brought me the very man I acquired. I was standing on the dock when my by the merest accident I fell in talk with him, found he was an old sailor kept at the Flubbeck house, knew all the sea free men in Bristol, had lost his health ashore. I wondered a good berth as cook to get to sea again. He'd hobbled down that meeting, he said, to get a smell of salt. I was monstrously touched. So would you have been an out of steel pretty engaged in the spot be ship's cook? Long John Silver, he is called. He has lost a leg, but I required as a recommendation since he lost it in his country service. And the immortal hawk, you know, pension, as you imagine, the abominable age we live in. Oh, sir, I thought I only had found a cook. It was a crew I had discovered. Reverend, between Silver, myself, we got self. In a few days, a company of the toughest old suits imaginable. Well, not pretty to look at, but fellows by their faces of the most indomitable spirit declare we would fight the frigate. Long John even got rid of two out of the six or seven. I would engage. He showed me a moment. They were just the sort fear Walter Swabs we uh, to fear an adventure of importance. I am in the most magnificent health and spirits, eating like a ball, even like a tree. I shall not enjoy a moment till I hear my old telepins trampling around the campstand. Steward home, hang the treasure, the glory to see that turn my head. So now Lizzie come home, come post. Do not lose an hour if you respect me. Let young Hawkins go at once to his mother with Riveroo for a guard, and then both come full speed to Bristol, John Trelawney. Postscript. I did not tell you that Brandley, who, by the way, is to send a consort after us, if we don't turn up by the end of August, has found an elderly fellow for sailing master, a stiff man, which I regret, but in all other respects a treasure, long John Silver, unearthed a very competent man for mate, a man named Arrow. I have a boatsman, Van, who pikes Lindsay, so things shall go man aboard fashion, and the ship could board a good ship have only here. I've got to tell you, Silver is advanced substance, and own of my own knowledge that he was a banker, has a banker's cap, which he's never been overdrawn. Lizzie's easy wise to manage the inn. She's of colour, woman colour, pair of old bachelors like that you. I'd be excused for guessing that his wife quite as much as, as the health that sends him back to roving. JT, PPPS, Hawkins, may stay one more night with his mother, GT. You can fancy the excitement to which the letter put me, as half his cybers of glee, if ever I despised the man, it was old Tom Redwood, who could do nothing but grumble and lament. Any under keepers would gladly have changed places with him, but such was not the squire's pleasure. The squire's pleasure was like law among them. Oh, nobody but old Redruth would have dared so much as even to grumble. The next morning he and I set out foot for the Admiral Bobo and Bow. And there I found my mother in good health and spirits. The captain 
who had not so long been a cause of so much discomfort, was gone where the wicked crease from travelling from travelling. The squire had everything repaired, proper rooms and sign repeated, added some furniture above all, a beautiful armchair for mother in the bar. He found a boy and apprentice also, so that she would want not want for help while he was gone. I seen that boy and I stood for the first time in the situation <coughs> I had thought up to that moment of the ventures before me. Not at all the home. Leaving and now at sight of this clumsy stranger, who was to stay here in my place beside my mother. I had first attack of tears, I was afraid I led that boy a dog's life free he was new to the work. I had a hundred opportunities to set him right. I put him down. I was not slow to profit by them. That night that might pass, the next day after dinner, Ruth Ruth and I would set a foot on the road. I was sick of by the mother and the cove where I had lived since I was born. Dear old Admiral Ben Bow, since he had painted no longer quite so dear. Once, one of my last faults was of the captain, who so often strolled along the beach, his crooked hat, sabre, a cut cheek, his old brass telescope. Next moment, he had turned the corner. My home was out of sight. A mail picked up, was up about dusk at the Royal George on the heath. I wedged in between Red Wolf and a stout old gentleman, despite the swift motion, the cold air, night air. I must have dozed a great deal from the very first, and stepped all like a log up the hill and down dale, through stage of the sage, for when I was awakened at last, if I punched the ribs, I opened my eyes, fine with standing still for a large building city street. That day was already broken a long time. Where are we? I asked. Bristol, said Tom. Get down. Ritorney had taken up his residence at the inn far down the docks to superintend the work upon the schooner. Thither we had now to walk on our way to my great delight lay along quarries beside great multitude of ships of all sizes and rigs and nations. One of the sailors was singing at the work with another. There were more were men aloft high above my head, hanging to threads that needed seemed of no flicker no thicker than spiders. Though I lived by the shore of my life, I seemed never to have been near the sea then. The smell of tar and salt was nothing, something new. I saw the most wonderful figures. All winds far over the ocean. I saw besides many old soldiers with rings in their ears and whiskers, killed in ringlets and tarry pigtails and their swaggering clumsy sea walk. If I had been as many kings or archbishops, I could not have been more delighted. I'm going to see myself to the sea, a schooner with a piping boat, boatsman, a pig's-tailed singing seaman, the sea bound for an unknown island, to seek for buried treasure. While I was still in a delightful dream, they came suddenly in front of a large inn and met Squire Tawny, all dressed out like a sea officer in stout blue cloth, coming out the door with a smile on his face, a capital imitation of a sailor's walk. Here you are, he cried. A doctor came last night from London. Bravo, the ship's complete complete. Oh, sir, cried I, when do we sail? Sail, says he. We sail tomorrow. 